podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket with me, Simon Hughes. And me, Simon Mann. And this podcast in association with TNT Sports, the exclusive home of this India-England series, which has taken a turn today, I think, Simon, an absorbing third day's cricket in Ranchi, but England not emerging with many plaudits from it, really. With, uh, uh, you know, they're looking down the barrel, aren't they? 152 more runs for India to win, all 10 wickets in hand, and England's bowlers tonight didn't look threatening. India revved the steamroller up today. They really did. A, a totally dominating day from India. They controlled, I think, all three sessions of the match. And you'd expect them to go on and win the game and win the series from here. I saw a, actually a tweet from Stuart Broad or a post from Stuart Broad that said every bowling attack in the world would expect to defend 200 on this pitch. So if India go on to win, you know, great credit to them. It will be a great win. 192. I just think this India batting lineup just looks to have a bit too much nice, a bit too much quality against you know, a good, yeah, good-ish England attack that really tried hard in the series. But I don't know, it, it seems a long shot to me for England to find 10 balls before India score the 192 that they need to win this test match. I mean, it, there is something in this surface, but we've also seen batters, if they are determined, they can stick around and knock the ball around. There are singles on offer, aren't there, Yoz? You know, England have set the field back, hoping for the one that sort of shoots along the ground and catches a player LBW or whatever. And so you, you just back India to piece it together, really, and, yeah. and, and win yeah. the series. You do. Uh, well, the, the stark contrast in between uh, India's last three wickets added 130 runs. Uh, so we were expecting England to perhaps get a lead of 70 or 80 after the overnight situation. And instead, they've only got a lead of just over 40 because of the excellence of Kuldeep Yadav and obviously Drew Jarrell, the wicketkeeper, as well, holding England up for the best part of the first session today. And getting 130 runs from the last three wickets. England only managed 145 in their second innings from all 10 wickets. I think that's a, a stark indication of the, the difference in the teams, the difference in their, the way they are able to adapt to the conditions and particularly the, the strength of the Indian spin bowlers who just never let England get away, uh, just probed away, hoping for a mistake. And there were plenty of them in the end. Yeah, let, let, let's face it. This is a, a very good... Indian spin attack in you know, reasonably good conditions in which to bowl spin. You know, there's enough there, isn't there? There's some low bounce. They're quality bowlers. They they really are. And they've been around the block as well. And they're all different. So you've got Jadeja, you've got Ashwin, you've got Kuldeep Yadav. They all offer something different. Kuldeep Yadav was superb today. Ashwin picked up another Pfeiffer, got some early wickets. That got his confidence up as well. And he opened the bowling. So they went straight for the jugular, didn't they? No seam bowlers for England to sort of knock to the boundary for a few easy fours early on, potentially. They went straight for the juggler. Ashwin starting off with Jadeja and it worked and Ashwin picked up a, a couple of wickets and India were on their way. England were on the back foot and the thing is they were on the back foot in, to some extent when they started their innings because of the way India had batted in that morning session. They really whittled away at the lead 
England, best case scenario, we talked about this last night, best case scenario for England would be like a hundred run lead. Well, you know, that did not materialise for them. And, you know, they did have themselves to blame. They dropped an important catch. Ollie Robinson at mid-wicket, 265 the score at, at that time. Jarrell dropped on 59. He went on to make 90. They went on to make another, what was it? 40 odd runs vital runs you know in the in the context of the game so you know that there was a moment although having said that just watching that morning session England didn't really threaten to yeah you know, they didn't look really threatening you, you thought well this this where's this going to go for for England in, in a strange way they actually did quite well to get a 46 run lead the way uh, things were going but they they found a way through but they t- just totally controlled the day. What do they call the third day of a test match? It's moving day, isn't it? Yours the third day? Well, they certainly they, they sort of spun the world on its axis today, India, and you know, dominated the day, and I mean, they're in a great position to win the game now. And I think if you just contrast the dedication of the Indian key players today, for instance, and the naivety or you know, novice status, let's say, of some of England's players, particularly their bowling attack. No blame attached to them. They've been pitched in, the likes of Shoaib Bashir and Tom Hartley, they've been pitched into this uh, cauldron of Indian cricket to try and go where many England teams in the past have not been and try and unseat the Indian dominance, the Indian power, the Indian authority in their home conditions. And they're, you know, they've played a handful of first-class games between them, never mind Test cricket, Whereas you've got, obviously, Ravi Ashwin and, you know, listening to him after the game today, talking about the way he applied his bowling, how he adapted his bowling, how he thought about his bowling to have the most impact in today's play and trying to make the ball get into the pitch a bit more early on. He was given the new ball because he started in international cricket, bowling, or at least in top-level cricket, bowling with the new ball in IPL cricket opening the bowling in the power play for the Chennai Super Kings and just becoming an absolute, having an absolute mastery of uh, denying batsmen easy runs, bowling with the new ball, something he uh, you know, learned obviously quite early in his life. But here, bowling with the new ball, just adjusting the position of the seam very slightly, but trying to get into the pitch to get the ball to skid on and maybe bounce a bit awkwardly. And he got those three early wickets, not with conventional off-spin, but you know, with the, ball, the largely the ball going straight on, so we'll explore you know the way he got those wickets uh, a bit later in the podcast. But the other person who had a key role in this uh, day was Drew Jewell, the young Indian wicketkeeper, only in his second Test match, and the dedication that he has shown to get where he's got to is quite impressive. Simon, you've got a tweet from our friend Cowstats uh, to tell you sort of how it, it all started for him. Yeah, Kaistab Gudipati, who goes at Kaistats on uh, X, he said, Juve Jarrell travelled alone from Agra to Noida to enrol in an academy at the age of 13. Initially, didn't have a place to live, but was later given hostel accommodation. His mother sold her gold jewellery to buy a cricket kit, and then he built a home gym through the money he earned from the under-19 uh, World Cup. So, yeah. There's a determination, isn't there, to succeed and take, you know, presumably when you get that chance to try to take it. And he he did today. I thought he batted excellently, although I, I didn't think England put enough pressure on him. I, I thought they, they went to that 
that, that old saw really, which is just trying to get the bloke out at the other end, Kuldeep Yadam, and Kuldeep you know, really supported him well. So there wasn't that much pressure on Jarrell, although you know, when it was time to go, he really went, didn't he? And he was whacking the ball over the ropes. He, he should have been caught on 59 by Ollie Robinson. I noticed Joe Root went up to him at the end of the innings and congratulated him on his 90. Of course, they would know each other from Rajasthan Royals, wouldn't they? Joe Root you know, wouldn't have been playing much last year, but he would have seen you know, a lot of Jude Durrell and probably recognised his talent as well. And that was a nice touch from Joe Root to go up to him and say, uh, well played. Yeah, exactly. And it was the Royals who kind of, again, as they have with a number of players like Jai as well, have sort of polished the, the raw diamond. Uh, although, you know, still Jarrell has obviously got a long way to go. I mean, he's only in his second test match. But I had a message today from Zubin Baracha, the director of cricket at the Rajasthan Royals, who's quite a good friend and has been a huge influence on Jaiswell. And he says that he remembers when Dhruv Jarrell turned up to the Rajasthan Royals. I remember him hitting one ball over extra cover for an enormous six and thought this looked different and special. And they then looked back at the video when they were sort of consulting with who they would select for the, the, the squad, they looked back at the video and they saw, they found that shot of Drew Drell hitting that one over extra cover and also realised that he kept very briefly and looked effortless. So Zubin says as soon as the Royals picked him, the work began. He was an unbelievably committed student, willing to work to the point of physical and mental exhaustion to learn his craft. We've been preparing for the last 18 months Regardless of the version of cricket, we don't take that into the equation at all. The practice and all his practice is merely focusing on how and where runs can be scored. And he says, just before the test match, he came to the Rajasthan Royals High Performance Centre in Telegon and batted for 140 overs in a day. It took over four hours on different spinning surfaces. It was a monumental practice session, one of the few that matched Jaiswell's long sessions. So that yeah. just shows a fair amount of, you could call it almost desperation to succeed, never mind dedication. Mm, well, it, it all came together for him today, didn't it? And I, okay, missed out on his hundred. He was actually dismissed by a superb delivery from Tom Hartley. As I said, I was saying earlier, you know, you wonder where it was going to end up because he was, you know, really tucking into England's bowlers. But it was a lovely delivery from Hartley to actually bowl him out. I suppose you just slightly open up a bit, don't you, when you're batting with the the number eleven. Rather than being ultra cautious or quite cautious, you know, you become a bit more predatory, and so perhaps you just opened up slightly. But it was a, a fine delivery from Tom Hartley. So England finally getting through India, eighty-eight for three uh, today. They batted the whole session. Uh, Bashir finishing with five for one hundred and nineteen from forty-four overs. So yeah, fantastic effort from him really in his, in his second Test match. We were talking about this yesterday. Just I just wanted to, to make another point that um, you, you were talking yesterday about how the county game is not. You know, is not really the the friendly home of the of the spinner, and it 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 rather sort of churns them out a bit and and, and rejects them or spits them out and, and rejects them. Uh, what I would say though is that Somerset, of course, you know, have spotted Bashir's promise and put him in the team at nineteen. 
So that you know they have given him an opportunity. So there is a county who yeah did see his promise. Okay, mm. he he left Surrey at the age of nineteen, so went back into the sort of the minor system, if you like. And someone said, you said, yeah, we see something there. So you know, credit to them, not just for spotting his talent, but also being prepared to back him and and stick him in their championship team as well. Yeah, I think Somerset maybe are an outlier in that sense because you know they do see the value of spin. Uh, down in the West Country, which perhaps other counties don't, or they don't invest in, in as much spin in other counties as perhaps Somerset do. And it was a very impressive performance. Uh, really, really excellent. He kept ec- outstanding control of his line and length, hardly bowled a loose ball, and t- taxed every batsman. And it, it, in a way, it underlined the capricious nature of this pitch, that it, there was nothing there for him a lot of the time, and then occasionally he produced a, a wicked delivery... But in the main, the pitch kind of goes to sleep for a while and then suddenly seems to wake up again. It's quite unpredictable. Obviously, England will be hoping it wakes up again on the fourth morning uh, from a a bowling point of view. But when they went into bat, I think the Indian approach had changed slightly. I mean, certainly, firstly, they opened with spin from both ends. And I think also the, the, the field settings have been a bit cleverer too they've taken account for instance of Ben Duckett's enjoyment of the sweeps and sort of covered that off so he's had to kind of try and play a different way and that's slightly opened the door to well that opened the door in the case of of Duckett anyway getting his wicket uh, caught at short leg defending which perhaps isn't his natural game and that you know paid the way although it's still a a reasonable opening partnership again uh, it, it, it got to close to 40 but in a way, Duckett, the wicket of Duckett, left-hander, different way of playing to Crawley, that just created a, an opportunity for the Indians. And then, of course, poor old Ollie Pope getting a pair the next ball. Mm. Yeah, it happens, doesn't it? It happens to excellent players. Graham Gooch happened to him in his, his first Test match. Probably all self-respecting batters over the course of their careers have got a pair. Have you got a pair, yours? You must have got a pair, surely. I got a pair in my last ever match. I mean, how weird is that? Clean time bowl. to go, yours. It was time. It was time to go. I, I was um, <laughs> played on to Kevin Curran in the first innings, and then I mean, I, I suppose this has got to be one of the best all-time pairs because I think second ball played on to Kevin Curran, then in the second innings came into bat against Kirtley Ambrose, and Kirtley Ambrose had just got uh, Neil Williams LBW with a short ball which went straight along the ground. And so I thought, I'd better get forward to the next one. And I got forward to Ambrose and I was wearing it in front of my face, punched it to gully. Mm. Pear, thank you very much. Never batted again. Pro- probably just as well, actually. You only lasted the one ball. You came out intact, if you like. Not your wicket intact, but your your body intact. Uh, getting forward to Curtly Ambrose. Anyway, that's, that's, that's the thought. What did you think when... England started to bat for the second time. A lead of 46 and India would have to bat last. Had the sort of psychology of the game changed because of the way India were able to eat into England's lead? You know, it's 46. It's still a reasonable advantage, isn't it, when the opposition have got to bat last? It's obviously, you know, it, it, at one stage, it looked like it could be, you know, possibly even 120, even 150. I mean, India were 177 for seven, 176 runs behind. If they'd gone bang, bang, bang then, you know, there'd been a massive lead. But, you know, it was down to 46. The game is sort of psychologically has, has changed by then. Yeah, it's a momentum shift, isn't it? And 
inevitably, if the tail wag, as the Indians one did, you know, you then feel more confident when you go in with the ball, don't you? And the Englishman will be a will be being deflated by uh, the, the leaking of runs like that, the loss of the the the, the opportunity, the chance that was missed, etc. I mean, obviously, that England have a mindset at the moment to be positive, and Crawley was, wasn't he? Crawley was still playing his natural game. Duck it. He, he he sort of blows hot and cold a bit, doesn't he? And you know, there there was a that, that innings he played in the last test, 150. You know, fantastic. But he was going at it from the off, whereas this innings got a little bit more stuck, and both both innings actually in this test, and so he hasn't quite kind of you know, stayed true to himself, really. And that may be a credit to the bowlers as much as it is to to criticising him. But, you know, I mean, undoubtedly, the Indians felt cock-a-hoop to have got as close to... Well, I mean, Ashwin said after the game, if they'd sacrificed an 80-run lead, they'd have been happy. So to get back to 46-run lead was yeah. a fantastic effort. And it just yeah. gives you that that extra positivity and confidence and optimism, which they exploited superbly. I mean, Duckett, just back on, on Duckett, I mean, he did sweep and reverse sweep in Jadeja's first over, and he also re- reverse swept Ashwin. So he, you know, he did play some of those sweeps and reverse sweeps uh, early on, but he propped forward, didn't he, to, to the ball that got him out, and he probably walked off and thinking, why didn't I just reverse, try to reverse sweep that for four? But, you know, he's, it, it, that's, that's the balance, isn't it? Against a spin bowler, you can you, the same ball that gets you out, you can also hit for four. Because it you know it depends completely on your approach. Anyway, he was on his way. Early success for India, and then then Pope. Yeah, um, umpires call. So we've had a few umpires calls uh, in this game. We'll talk about Joe Root's dismissal uh, after the break. But an umpires call for Pope, and an umpires call for Robinson uh, later on. So a couple you know a couple went India's way today. Quite a few went England's way uh, during this Test match. In fact, deep. Uh, was out to Bashir for his fifth Test wicket uh, on, on an umpire's call as well. So there's been yeah, quite a lot of tight LBW uh, decisions. Yeah, in I this mean, there's match. smoke coming out of the Hawkeye engine in this Test match, <laughs> isn't there? All those technicians beavering away, constant requests for third umpire reviews of uh, catches and LBWs and so on. It's, it's been fascinating. And of course, you've been able to watch it all on TNT Sports. TNT is the exclusive home of the UEFA Champions League, Europa League and Europa Conference League, as well as showing Premier League football, rugby, MotoGP, boxing and lots more. Lots of European League football on TNT Sports this week. You can stream TNT Sports on Discovery Plus or watch TNT Sports channels on EE Sky and Virgin Media. And of course, you can also see highlights of this key third day's play on TNT Sports this afternoon as well. A subscription is required, aged 18 plus, TNCs apply. After the break, Yoz, we're going to talk about that Joe Root dismissal. We talk about steam coming out of the technology. There's been a bit of steam coming out of a few cricket watchers. We'll try and clear it up after the break. Well, it was clearly India's day. They totally dominated the day's play and put themselves in a, a strong uh, winning position after England starting the day in, in what looked to be a potential uh, winning position. But yeah, India had an excellent day on this third day. One of the big talking points was Joe Root's dismissal. Should it be one of the big talking points? I'm not sure it really should. For those of you who haven't seen it, Ravi Chandran Ashwin bowling round the wicket to Joe Root. It was quite a full delivery. 
Root was beaten, struck him on the pad. There was a big appeal for LBW. It was given not out. India, Umdenard, they discussed it. Ashwin looked really keen on it. He said, yeah, I think this is out. I think this is out. And the whole thing just hinged on whether the ball pitched in line with the stumps or outside the line of leg stump because he was bowling around the wicket. Of course, it hinged on whether it was going to go on and hit the stumps as well. The technology showed the ball was pitching in line and going on to hit leg stump. But that's only part of it because, talking about part, part of the ball was outside the line. Now, clear this up for us, Yoz, because people are saying, well, you know, that, that looks as though the ball was pitching outside the leg stump. So much of the ball was outside the leg stump. But there's a really sort of, sort of crucial aspect to this. Yeah, and it's something that actually goes back to the, 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 the early days of Hawkeye uh, in the, the early 2000s, actually, when it was in, introduced onto Channel 4 cricket coverage right at the start of the century. And before a season... We sat round in a producer's office debating how to depict whether the ball pitched outside leg stump or not and what governs whether the ball has pitched outside leg stump. Is it just the tiniest part of the ball that has to have pitched on the leg stump? Is it the middle of the ball or is it the whole of the ball? And it's very difficult to tell, isn't it, of course, from the pitch itself. So in the end, we went with the middle of the ball has to have pitched inside that tram line if you like that area that zone which goes down the middle of the pitch and marks the outside of the stumps so it's the middle of the ball which is the key not the whole of the ball and actually if you think about it you know only part of the ball actually lands on the surface anyway so you have to kind of consider where was the middle of the ball landing and if the middle of the ball was landing just within that zone it's pitching on leg stump. Now, it's not an umpire's call issue. It's not a human issue. It's the computer that tells you yes or no. It's a simple black and white. Did it pitch on the stumps or did it pitch outside leg stump? And if the computer says it pitched on the stumps, by at least 50%, in other words, that means it did pitch on the stumps. Therefore, it's a potential LBW delivery so just to be clear if 51 percent of the ball pitched in line joe root's decision was absolutely fine i, I know there'd be people who've who've got they've seen the photographs and they've got their ruler out and, so, and i assume some rulers have gone on to one side slightly on one side of the ball and some people's rulers have gone on slightly the other side of the ball and saying oh no look it's not it's 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 49 inside and 51 outside and other people say no it's the other other way around but the technology said more than 50% of the ball, or 50 or more percent. Is it 50 or more? I mean, what, well, what actually, happens if it's 50-50, that, Oz? That's a good question. Uh, I mean, it's 50.001, probably. 50 point, <laughs> I mean, this is a computer, again, making the decision. This uh, this whole thing, you know, the, the calibration of Hawkeye takes a long time. The, the technicians get there, and I've worked with them a lot, and they get there the day before or even two days before the test match and really get all their cameras in exactly the right positions. They go out on the field with special bits of kit to make sure that all this calibration is done absolutely precisely so that there can be no mistakes when the match unfolds. So you have to trust the technology. And one thing that's actually rather irked me in this series is it, it sort of depends on who you support, you know, how you see the technology. I think that's wrong. You know, England have had, I think, five umpires' calls or something like that go in their favour in this test match. So, yeah, yeah I, I just think... 
people just need to just sort of take a bit of a chill pill about this. The technology is, is neutral. There's no one sort of trying to skew it or trying to get an advantage for the home side or anything like that. And things have gone England's way and some things have gone against England. But it's not, a, it's not the technology doing that. The technology is neutral. And actually, I have to say, when I saw that, when I saw the you know the replay of the LBW shot, I thought, "Oh goodness me, this is close. This you know this this really could be out. Is it has it just pitched just outside? Has it just pitched inside?" So it didn't it didn't look a shocker to me at all. I just thought the, the technology is is you know has gone against Joe Root, but it went in at Ravi Chandran and Ashwin's favour because you know fifty or more percent of the ball was landing inside the red mat, the tech, you know the the mat that belongs uh, to the bowler rather than the batter. I, I don't know why people are getting so. Uh, worked up about it I, I can see that uh, you know there, there might be some ignorance about the you know the protocols and I can see the fact that it was a tight one uh, and I can see the fact it was Joe Root it was a big big wicket for England it just felt when India got that wicket they were sort of on their way but you've just got to get on with the game uh, it, it's it's part of the game these these technological uh, calls and to, you know, to say all oh, that you know there's Hawkeye's up the spout in this series and all that sort of stuff just strikes me as being yeah, nonsense, really. Yeah. I mean, I suppose it, it, where the confusion sometimes occurs is because you get umpires call for if the ball was mildly hitting the stumps or not, but you don't get umpires call for pitching outside yeah. leg. So there's a there's a it's a traffic light system, isn't it? Green for missing, orange for umpires call, and red for hitting. And there's no orange for the ball landing on leg stump or not. It's a cut and dried black or white, red or green, basically. There's no orange, so there's no umpire's call for where the ball pitched on leg stump or not. But obviously there is once it's hit the pad and gone on because the that's all just a projection. The reason why there's an orange, there's an umpire's call, is because the ball hitting the stumps or not is just a projection from the computer, whereas the ball landing on the surface, whether it pitched outside leg or on leg, is something that the, the cameras can already see, so it's a fact. Mm. Yeah, well, so anybody who wants to say, oh, this, you know, the technology's off, well, need, they need to call out who, you know, who's responsible and say you know, who, who it is, I, I would say, rather than making this all sort of snidey uh, comments about the, the technology, because you know, you, you've, you've talked about this yourself. You know, you've got dedicated professionals who are in that, in that room who are doing their absolute best to make sure uh, this is uh, correct. And, you know, the point being, well, umpires guess technology if you like guess is less this is this is the point I, i've made before you know you think all those lbw decisions that dickie bird used to turn down mm. uh, you know probably you know, probably most of them hit in the stumps but he was seen as a good umpire because he was sort of like a not outer wasn't he uh, I mean, which is not to say well, he, he was seen he was seen like a good umpire by batsman <laughs> yeah bowlers yeah. hated him yeah yeah there, there you go um and I, I i think we just have more accurate decision making and then when there's a tight one People don't like it. But the thing is, cricket is a game of really tight margins. You can feather a catch through to the keeper. It can decide a test match. So I think everyone needs to just sort of calm down a little bit about it, except that the technology said it was out under the protocols and move on with the game. I mean, a bit later on, Ben Stokes got one, didn't he? It was an umpire's call. It was given not out. You know, he, he got away with one, if, if you like, and the ball was hitting the stumps. I mean, he said we should get rid of umpire's call altogether. And presu- I presume just either hitting the stumps or not is what he he's saying is it i don't know i don't quite know or or if I, if it's umpire's call it's always not out i don't well he, he would have to clarify that 
I think, and I'm not quite sure what he means by uh, getting rid of umpires' core. But you, as you, you made the point in the last Test match, if we have um, all umpires' calls being out, the stumps get bigger, don't they? Mm. The, the, it actually in, in increases the, the size yes, of the well, stumps. It, it, in the umpire's mind, they will give a lot more out because of the fact that the ball clipping the stumps is now seen as out. If you reject, if you remove umpire's call entirely, it does actually make, if you put the ball all the way round three sides of the stumps, it, uh, so imagining the ball can clip the stumps and still be out, on both sides and the top, it does make the stumps 30% bigger. Mm. Okay, let's let's move on from that. Let, let's talk about England's batting. Ashwin took five for fifty-one. Kuldeep Yadav, wonderful control, four for twenty-two. Did England bat badly? Did India bowl particularly well in conjunction with a, a helpful surface? What, what are we talking about here? I mean, one hundred and forty-five all out uh, from England after the Indian tail had scored, you know, al- almost that number of runs for the last three wickets. Well, I, I mean, let's go through the wickets. Uh, I think after we've talked about Ben Duckett and, and Ollie Pope, Joe Root trying to work a ball on leg stump, it was, you know, a bit unlucky that he missed it, perhaps. I wouldn't say that was a bad shot, but he probably should have got a bat on it because the ball didn't really do much. So he just missed a, a fairly straight ball from a, a slightly awkward angle. Um, Zach Crawley was the next out. I think he got a good ball. I think he, he'd been playing really well. He'd been getting forward. He's changed his method, actually, Crawley. I think he's really improved as a player over the last year. He's using his reach better. You know, we often said he's a fine driver of the ball, but he doesn't actually transfer his weight onto the front foot very far, and he doesn't move his front foot very much. And I think he's realised that and make a much better transition forward uh, to play the drives and use his reach to nullify the spin and work it into gaps as well. He's not just a big driver, but he actually played some good shots through the offside and the leg side for singles as well. Played really well, got 60, went back to a ball from Kuldeep Yadda, which turned sharp from outside off and bowled him through the gate, hit the middle stump. Very good delivery. Don't think you can put any blame on, on uh, Zach Crawley. I thought Bairstow played a pretty loose shot straight after the tee break, kind of trying to drive a ball which wasn't full enough from Jadeja. It popped, admittedly, off the surface and lobbed up to short cover and it was kind of unusual field position actually that Rohit Sharma put there perhaps thinking Bairstow likes to drive the ball a bit on the up and he might hit one in the air but I thought that was a a, a poor shot really Ben Stokes bowled by Kuldeep Yadav after getting a reprieve you're right from an LBW shout not not long before I mean it was a good ball I thought Stokes could have got further forward. The problem is, he because he looks to play back to most bolt, most spinners, he doesn't get very far forward. And his foot was only just outside the pop increase when he defended. And it, it, it beat his uh, forward push and hit him on the back leg and then trickled onto the stumps. He was a bit unlucky. He probably wouldn't have been LBW because I reckon it would have pitched outside leg. Uh, it, it hit him in line, but pitched outside. And leg, probably spun too much. And as well. he's probably spun, spun too, too much. much. He was unlucky that the ball ricocheted sort of almost between his legs onto the stumps. But I think he could have played either a better forward defensive, or actually he could have had a sweep at that ball because it was it was outside the leg stump. But you know, I think these things happen. Stokes has had a an iffy game with the bat. Folks was the last one of the last men out, done by the carambol of Ashwin. I, 
I don't, I don't think that was a particularly bad shot. It was a good bit of bowling. And then you're you're looking at the tail, really. Tom Hartley, big slog down to long on. That's the way he plays. Probably wasn't the time to do it uh, with the man out there. Uh, but he was trying to hit it a bit more to mid-wicket. He hit one was, six, hadn't he, over there? He hit, he hit one, one six. six so, yeah. yeah, I mean, you had folks at the other end. He probably might have looked to... Well, he, he faced 25 balls, so... You know, he wasn't trust trying to slog. Um, he does hit the ball well over mid on, but they had a man there for that shot. So, I mean, maybe good field settings, uh, but perhaps Ollie Robinson you know, didn't look very convincing. He was lucky to get away with a reverse sweep first ball, and then he was LBW straight after. And then obviously Jimmy, actually a brilliant catch, final man, uh, brilliant catch by uh, Drew Jurell. Because uh, he went for a reverse sweep, it ricocheted off his pad, lobbed up off his glove as he followed through, and a very sharp reflex catch by the keeper, the final wicket, 145 all out. I mean, it, it, the pitch was not bad enough for England to lose their last seven wickets for 35 runs, is the final equation there. So a mixture of bad shots and good bowling, I suppose. Yeah, I think England will feel dis- really disappointed with their batting effort. Uh, yeah, there were some good balls in there. There's some very good bowlers bowling on a, a surface that's you know, not straightforward. But I think they probably would feel they could have cobbled together a, a few more. I felt a bit sorry for Ben Stokes. I, I felt a bit sorry for Ben Folks, actually, because he was sort of forced just to defend and knock the ball around for one single and over. It was a remarkable passage of play. Where I think England scored 12 runs in 12 overs because he just didn't trust Bashir to face... Ah, and it, it, what did he do? Did he stick or twist? It was really, really tough for him. And so he was eventually ninth out. And uh, Anderson, as you described, uh, last man out. Seven for 35, real collapse. England were 110 for three at one stage, 156 runs ahead. Uh, that, you know, that was a moment in the day when they had a measure of control. But you always just felt there, was, there were wickets out there for this Indian attack on, on that surface. And, and so it proved they were ultimately... Irresistible, and then actually, and possibly, yours. I don't know. Almost like the worst aspect of the day for England were, were the the pies they served up when India came out to bat, and they opened the bowling with uh, Hartley and Root, and and actually Tom Hartley had a really poor session. He was bowling either full tosses or half volleys on leg stump to Rohit Sharma, and Rohit said, "Thank you very much. I'll hit those for four uh, through mid wicket." So India scooted away rather than say, you know, a tight session of you know eight overs perhaps 15 runs or something like that. India, you know, 40 for no wicket, lots of freebies. And it, it rather sort of summed up England's day, actually, the, the, the end of it. And so India's task tomorrow is far more straightforward than it would have been, say, I don't know if the score had been 15 for one at the, the close of play. Yeah, uh, I mean, look, far be it for me to criticise Ben Stokes' his captaincy, but I thought they got that wrong in that last session. I thought they should have bowled seamers from both ends, really, because I know the spinners got the wickets for India, but England's two best bowlers, really, in this match, not that they've taken wickets, but they've denied the runs, have been Anderson and, and Robinson. Both bowled really well with the new ball in the first innings. And with the pitch as being as cracked as it is, I thought that that should have been the case, to make sure they denied India any easy runs... Uh, and, and perhaps got a wicket or two with the ball keeping low or bouncing off the cracks with the seamers. So um, I thought that was a huge responsibility placed in Joe Root, who is still 
an occasional bowler. I mean, I know he's bowled a lot in this series, but he's not a frontline bowler, really. And, you know, a couple of, of, of novices, a couple of rookies having to bowl. So I thought England should have, you know, relied on their experience and their control in that final session and bowled the seamers with the new ball. And you never know what might have happened. And it's easy to say that in hindsight, but I just felt that would have been a more logical decision. Well, if you thought it at the time, then it's not hindsight. I have to say, I thought Anderson to open the bowling with one of the spinners. I wouldn't have bowled Ollie Robinson. I thought he had a really uh, disappointing day all round. He bowled no balls this morning. He was a bit loose and his overall figures are not that good. He did bowl some good balls. Actually, did look like potentially getting Jaiswell out uh, early on in, in the first inning. So, yeah, that might have been an option, but I would definitely have gone with, with Jimmy Anderson and the spinner. They didn't, and there were a lot of freebies on offer, and India helped themselves, and Jaiswell needs no second invitation, and Rohit Sharma uh, certainly doesn't, especially if, you know, if you're served up with that type of thing. I suppose there's a temptation, isn't there, to go chasing a little bit or whatever. You know, suddenly the pressure's on you. You've got to bowl this team out, got to get some early wickets, and you you chase a little bit, but... It, you know, it it was a actually it was a wretched day wasn't it for England they were pummeled in the last two days of the last test match and they've been absolutely pummeled today I mean what a what a dramatic turnaround in this game I think you know even even sort of, you know pretty optimistic Indian uh, observers uh, commentators felt that England you know had a measure of control over this game while well, going into what will be the final day India have that measure of control. Uh, certainly, back in England, will have to do something, uh, you know, really special. They have to, you know, find ten wicket-taking balls, or probably a, f- a few more out there, to try and uh, halt this Indian steamroller that has just flattened them today. Absolutely flattened them. An extremely uh, dispiriting day, I think, uh, for England because they seem to hold a lot of the aces in this Test match. It's not the first time it's happened as well. I mean, India won seventy-seven for seven in reply to three-five-three. There was a Test match. Uh, last year in Wellington, when New Zealand were 103 for seven in their first innings, in reply to England's 435 for eight declared, and you thought, well, sorry, that's game over. But New Zealand came back dramatically to win one of the great Test matches by one run. So it just it just shows, doesn't it? Always believe yours. You know, just try and hang in there, and that's what India did today. And gradually, bit by bit by bit, they got themselves up the rope, up the cliff, and at the at the end of the day's play, they're. They're standing on the top of the cliff, uh, bathing themselves in sunlight. That was beautifully summed up. Anyone would think you've got a, you've had a career in radio. That was very well spoken. Uh, I can't improve on it, so I'm going to say goodbye. Actually, uh, it was an excellent, absorbing day, but unfortunately, one that belonged to India. So we'll be back tomorrow to review the fourth day and presumably final day of this Test match, and probably see. India seal the series. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review and like or follow us and you'll get this podcast sent to you automatically. As I said, we'll be back tomorrow at the same time. See you then. Thanks for listening. Goodbye for now. Podcast Network.